Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast and myself Roy Shanahan and Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com and there's plenty to discuss this week with Finn Harps taking another step towards their new stadium Shamrock Rovers got a lesson in football in the Champions League and a new beginning for Wexford and their new CEO but firstly Back to the Champions League, Nathan, where Lou Goretz showed Stephen Bradley Shamrock Rovers just how far off the pace they are when it comes to any dreams of playing any further in that competition. I think we probably knew that, didn't we, going in, Roy? <laughs> this is a Lou Goretz side that have been beyond dominant domestically in the Bulgarian League, 11 consecutive league titles, which is a really squash a Celtics 10 in a row with him, doesn't it? This is a side that started winning 11 in a row and still going. Uh, into the Champions League group stages twice. They were in the Europa League group stages uh, three times. Europa League round of 32 three times. Even got to the round of 16 once as well. So this is a side with a lot of European pedigree, a lot of domestic pedigree. It's, it's a squad packed with international talent that have been uh, playing uh, in representing the home nation. So there's no surprise to me. The last minute goal, it probably... Really put a nail in the coffin, I think, for the tie itself. You know, if, if Rovers were to take a 2 near the Palace Stadium, I'm not saying an early goal would have changed things around at all, really. Um, but the 3 nil really will kill that tie off. They're going to see Shamrock Rovers drop down to the Europa League. They still have more European football to play for, but that seemed to be what it was, wasn't it? I have to be honest, I didn't see a whole lot of the games, sort of in and out between work and things like that, but it was just... Completely different level altogether, Roy, wasn't it? Uh, well, when you watch, no, you you watched a whole lot, didn't you? Yeah, you watched the first half, Nate, and it was men against boys, absolutely dominated. I'm not so sure that the way that they played three at the back, they had big gaps going down the side. They got opened up very, very easily. And as I said, we said this before last week, Nathan. When Shamrock Rovers don't have a Graham Borker, they don't have a, a Jack Bourne in the team. The invention isn't there and they look very robotic and just, you know, I was going to say two banks of four, but they hadn't got that. They had a, a bank of three, their bank of five or six and a, and a one. Yeah. It just, it, it it didn't look like the right setup for me. I know they've been playing that way, so that's the way it's going to be. But I thought that maybe they would have been a bit more solid, five at the back, four in your midfield, one uh, just in front of them. But yeah, they were a little bit open for my liking. But the pure class, Lugarets are pure class. They have some real good quality players. And as you mentioned, how far they've gotten the competition. I don't think, Nathan, I was looking at the game. I don't think the third goal would have mattered too much because I just don't see Shamrock Rovers having the capability of keeping Lugarets out. It's a whole new different game. The second half, they knew that they they had their two nil up. They knew did they take the foot off the pedal a little bit? The Shamrock Rovers step it up a little bit, and then you just see, you know, they played well in the second half. Shamrock Rovers, don't get me wrong, but it just looked a little bit like they took the the foot off the pedal a little bit. Maybe they got tired. Maybe they got a little bit tired. I just can't see, and you can correct me if you feel that I'm wrong, Nathan, but I just can't see how Shamrock Rovers can, I suppose, close that gap in the yeah. gulf of quality that there is. Yeah, no, I can't see it at all. I couldn't see it coming into the game, Roy, um, without being too pessimistic about it. I thought they, they were never going to get, get past this little regret side. I agree with what you're saying. Where I thought it was 
a couple of years ago, we remember when Richie Taylor was in his height, he's done dark days. We've seen him in that attack and roll. It was more of a, of a winner, really, wasn't he? Do you know mm. what I mean? uh, against Louis de But ever since he was over in England and since he could come home from England, he's more of a central player. I thought he looked a bit completely out of place. Same with Chris McCann, someone that struggled with injury. I thought he, he was the, the real the league wink in that uh, holding two in the middle with Gary O'Neill. Um, yeah, I, I just I really can't see them coming back. Can I ask you a question like, on that, Nathan? Just on on Richie Tell, mm. has he been a success since he's came back? Because when I look at him, I don't see how where he's at. I know he's a decent player. I can see he's a decent player, but is he any better than the players that were there already? Yeah, I I was really excited to see him come back, even as a St. Pat's fan. You know, just to see him back in the league as a whole as a massive fan of Richie Tell at Dundalk. I've been underwhelmed since he's since he's come in. I gave him a bit of the caveat when he did come in. It was what was the halfway of the season, and we're going to have to, he did he wasn't playing much, and you're going to have to give him that six months to gel back in and get to know this team. But he's here a year in there, right? And he still hasn't made himself. Uh, which is crazy to say, guy like Richie Tell, he probably walking the most of the League of Ireland sides. He hasn't made himself a consistent presence in that team, and this is when even Jack Bourne and Graham Bourke likes have been injured. Danny Mandreya was gone now as well, so there might be a bit of an open opportunity, but. We're literally salivating, weren't we, at the start of this year, thinking, God, that, that midfield, we're going to have Jack Bourne, we're going to, uh, could be Richie Tell behind him, we could have Danny Mandre out in the wings, but it just hasn't come to be at all. He, he, he seemed to be sort of struggling for an, uh, an identity in this Shamrock Rovers team. You, you still couldn't, like I always say, Roy, Gary O'Neill for me is always going to start in the Shamrock Rovers team. He's the only one that can really play that you know, defensive midfield holding role. You can't say that, Richie Taylor. You can't really see where he seemingly slots into the team. I don't know if, if it's the Shamrock Rover system isn't working for him. Who knows? But yeah, I, I've been definitely underwhelmed by him. Yeah, absolutely. I just see you're wearing your same Pats jersey today, Nathan. All uh, colours. And of course, they, they had a, they, they, they discussed about their partnership there last week. We'll be discussing later on Shells, who have a new partnership with Drum Condor, but we'll move on to that a, a little bit later. When you look at Shamrock Rovers in the league, they were talking about it on, on, on RTE. They're looking at them in the league. Can you... They say they have it too easy in, in the in the Aircom League, or sorry, in the SSE, Electricity yeah, League. I'm really going... Jersey, I'm going back there. Do you know, i tell you why I'm saying that. It, your, your jersey looks retro. That's why I was thinking, God, that's, that looks very, very retro. It's, yeah. it's and, and baggy. Do you know the way the old jerseys baggy. look real yeah, baggy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, if you want to see that, by the way, have a look on YouTube. It's not, obviously, you can't see it on the podcast, but have a look on, on YouTube uh, later on. But when you look at them in the league, it, they were kind of hinting that the league was holding them back. But Shamrock Rovers aren't that good to, to think that the league is, are holding them back. And it's not a Shamrock Rovers side. You just see them going up last season, Roy, where... They got away with it in the end in terms of points, but I, I didn't put that down to Shamrock Rovers. I put that down to the chase and pack being so so willing to give up easy results and so willing not to put their foot in the gas and go for them now. Like, even looking at them this season, uh, what's Derry City about eight points behind them? Yeah. Uh, they've done dark at nine. So they're still, they're not running away with these leagues where if you look at like the of a Ludogorets, there was a. a massive golfing class between the likes of them and the second place side in the Bulgarian league over the past couple of years where we're not seeing that at all and while they should be they, they, making themselves a consistent presence in these European competitions should be an ongoing thing for Rovers and for Derry City and for the, the Dundalks that are going to be doing their bouts in, in the coming years as well it's, it's just to make a foothold in these European competitions but I 
I said it last year when he won the league. I, I, I still don't. I wouldn't put him, you know, as a side that's head and shoulders above everybody else. Like he would have with the dark side when Stephen Kenny was there. Or like he would have with, you know, possibly the, the shells uh, during the mid-2000s as well, where there was a massive gulf in class. I, I still couldn't hone down this side in the season. That, like, I, I couldn't completely say Shamrock Rovers was going to win the league this season. I, yeah. and I really, really couldn't. I don't know about you, Roy, but I still think that we're seeing an improvement in Derry City ever since that they came back from that bit of a stumble from the off-season break. Dundalk looked like they're going to always be there in their belts, like we mentioned. that. Robert but it also, also Nathan, that those teams are dropping points as well. So that's where Shamrock Rovers, they have the advantage. You can you can see Dundalk dropping points. You can see Derry City dropping points. So the question would be, do the others have enough to actually catch them? I think Dundalk only lost one game Roy, in about the last 10 haven't they so do you do they're not really oh, yeah but points. sometimes it, sometimes a draw is, is, is as bad as a loss if you know what I mean you know especially when you're chasing someone yeah no I do get the, I think again going back to Dundalk not to pick them but um, they, they drew nil all in with Shelbourne I think it was uh, coming off the, the back of the uh, of the mid-season break as well but you know like going back to Roy I still can't confidently say that Rob is going to walk this league and it's definitely not something that should be Taking a roy on, like they're going to have a like we said there's loads of times they're going to have a lengthy European run ahead of them this season. Wait now, they look like they're going to drop down to the Europa League, play either Dynamo Zagreb or uh, Skukby from I think it's North Macedonia, uh, and then even if they're unsuccessful with that, they're going to drop back down again to Europa Conference League. But yeah, I, I, I still wouldn't point out this Shamrock Rovers team as, as as someone that's in that same category as you know we had Dundalk under Stephen Kenny and things like that. Yeah, so. Do we feel that they're going to struggle to get near any group stage? I think they get into the Conference League this year, right? I, I would be confident enough uh, putting that marker down now. I Even if they do, like, you'd imagine now the two teams I mentioned in the Conference, in, in the Europa League, sorry, uh, Dino Zagreb, if they're just going off odds and you're going off standards and things like that, that's the side they're going to face in the next round. I think still think they struggle against those, but all going well. I'd still be eyeing up that Conference League position uh, for them this year in the groups. Okay. I'm not as confident as you are, to tell you the truth. I think they're a little bit flat compared to what they were last year and a couple of years ago. Just something's a little bit flat. And I, I, Graham Bourke came on the other night, showed his quality, showed he, he he sparked them up. He just gave them that something extra. And I think Jack Bourne does that as well. If they're not yeah, playing, I think, I, I, yeah, I think they struggle a bit now without them. But listen, they've been brilliant with the full-time football that they have, with the training facilities they've built up, the stadium that they've built up with the, the county council, there's a lot going at Shamrock Rovers, but it just shows you full-time football isn't enough. And we looked at, and we'll discuss it later as well, about players moving on. We, they, there's too many players moving out of the league for you to build something and you're constantly regenerating teams can we progress? That's it's a, it's a big question. It's probably a question that we'll come back to again in another show. Okay, Nathan, St. Pat's and Sligo are, are in Europe as well. Uh, who do they face and, and what's their chances? Yeah, I'll stick with me, boys, seeing that we, we've been uh, looking at the European action from the wings, right? It's time for us to enter the fall now, enter the fray and, and, and get ourselves into it. Uh, St. Pat's will be playing NS Mora, uh, Slovenian sides. They finished fourth now in the most recent Slovenian top tier league, but they were the champions back in uh, the end of 2020-21 season. A bit more of an in-depth article up in the big kickoff about NS Mora. You want to check it out, same with any uh, European uh, games coming up over the next couple of weeks. 
that'll be up here. So do check out a league avoidance section of the big, the big kickoff football website. Again, Roy, I think for Pats is going to be a difficult game uh, against NS Moray. Look, first leg um, is on Thursday the 24th, that's in Richmond Park, and then the second leg will be a week later on the Thursday the 28th. A lot has been said about Moray, even away from the domestic success over the past couple of years, getting themselves into these European positions. The big one was they were in the Europa Conference League group stages last year. Everyone's going to mention the, the famous T1 victory at home, the, the Spores, which is brilliant, albeit it was a the grand scheme of things, it was a very poor sports team, wasn't it, under Mourinho, but it's just still, still be sports like in, in fairness to them. Um, but if I'm going to pick out a couple of little optimistic caveats for any fellow St. Pat's fans listening, it's the defensive record. Yeah. Even in that group stages, you know, they lost the last five games. You look at them in the league. Now, that the, the league season only started only one game in. They were beating 2-0 on the opening uh, weekend, so not coming in in the, in the best uh, form either. They haven't kept a clean sheet in the, in the last 14 league games. Uh, they had the th- for a side that finished fourth, they had the third worst defensive record in the Slovenian league last season. So there's definitely an opportunity there as well. They were absolutely looking at the, the team comparisons from this year, sorry, from, yeah, from this year to last year. And no more than ourselves, uh, our same parts of the team was absolutely good. Like the spine of the team is, is pretty much gone so it's a new team that's only fresh like i said one game into the new season i think they have a game in the midst so it's thursday sunday thursday so it's gonna be another packed schedule for them too yeah these are all just little, little optimistic caveats and coming up with i still think st pat's will struggle not as it's, it's not as much as a golfing class as we've seen uh rovers against ludicrous but it's definitely going to be a difficult tie over two games tell me if you had to put your week's wages this week on a, a winner who would it be on over the two legs, I think more. I do think they're going to have that little, little bit um, extra on us. Like I said, all these things there, but it's, it's still a side that has more European pedigree, European experience as we do. Uh, there's, there's a couple of lads, like we're saying about Ludogrets, not as many, but there's guys that are in that squad that have been capped at international level. So it is definitely going to be a, a, a tough axe. I think the main two for Pats is, while the... It doesn't really matter anymore with no away goals, doesn't it? If you're not playing at home for, say, playing away for it. But it's just, it's Richmond Pass can be sold out now on Thursday night. It's get something there, get a result there. Even if it's a draw, it'd be great to get a win there, but something to hold on to. Make sure it's still in the toy going to Slovenia. That's that's the most important thing that Pats can do. And then after that, who knows? But I'm not going to sit here and, and, and be one of them that's like, oh, no, Pats are going to get through. It's going to be extremely difficult. And it's going to get it worse, I think, in the, in the next round of playing. If if they are successful, it's a big if for me. Uh, it's CSKA Sophia, which would be a nice trip to have, Roy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> unlucky this year with trips. Uh, and again, another side from, from North Macedonia as well. But if you're going off rankings and things like that, you'd imagine it's going to be CSKA, uh, Sophia, for the winner. Uh, I, I knew the truth of Camellia once your wages were included in the bargain. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would go. I'm living out west too long. As soon as you mention money, you're the ass got Yeah, I can. I think that, listen, Pats are too inconsistent themselves, so I can't really see anything being done there from St. Pats. Sligo and Motherwell, listen, there's always there's always a chance with this one because, again, yeah. as we said, Motherwell pre-season, albeit the Scottish League is going to start very, very soon. But with Sligo, they have been inconsistent in themselves some good showings under the new manager, but when you look at the last round, hugely disappointed. 
Yeah, it's a strange one, Roy, isn't it? Because I remember saying to you when they beat Bala in, in the fourth leg, I was like, there was nothing to fear. Like, I, I still don't think they should fear this Motherwell side at all, but I've said it, you can go back, I think, most of the season. This is a very average Sligo Rovers team. They're a mid-table side. I think that's that's justified by the league standings. Um, and McGinty looking like he's another one that looked like he's going to finish up a, a, a move and go to Oxford United in League One. We're now players in this league, Roy, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, hugely. Uh, so like while the young lad in goal, uh, Luke McNicholas is such a, a highly regarded talent. Losing someone like Ed McGinty can be a massive loss. Like realistically, we said it as well last week. Without Ed McGinty, he would not be in this round of, of the tournament. He pulled off absolutely heroics in that second leg uh, against Ballatown in the showgrounds. I think again, it'd be another difficult one. But if I look in that same Pats and Sligo, if I was to put me weekly wages once again uh, on either one to go through, I would put it on Sligo, but. Hesitant, hesitant, hesitant. I think that I think you just that's a, never put your money where your heart is. It's always got to be the mind. You're living down there yeah. too long, Nathan. Like the, <laughs> in all fairness, I hope all the teams get through. Really oh, do. Uh, we can't see Rovers getting through. Well, no, they're not getting through. I, not Pats, I can't see you getting through. And Sligo, I just think they might, they might just falter. I think I can't see it. I really just can't see it. I, I know it's a very pessimistic thing, but. I don't think there's enough consistency there and I didn't see anything in the last round that kind of says, listen, there's there's good quality there. As we said, there was a couple of young lads who came off. I said, your man Heaney, I thought he did very, very well when he came on. Maybe if they bring, if they put those lads on, uh, starting off, give them a bit of energy, a bit of passion, maybe then they have something. But I think if they pick a similar team to the last time, I, I don't know, there wasn't there wasn't that passion there for me. I really well, hope, I really hope they, they shove that down my throat though. But as well, Roy, like you're talking about the Ball of Town game. I was watching the game a couple of days later against UCD in the showgrounds and they were even worse. Yeah. Beaten 2-0 by UCD side since the yeah. fourth win all season and it was really bad to see. Uh, the same as you, we thought some of the young lads were brilliant. The young lad uh, Barlow when he came on was excellent. Uh, Will Fitzgerald, now he's not a young lad. He's been in the league a good few years now. But when he came off the bench, he added a bit of bit of pace. It was, just, it was a bit of a nuisance down there, the left-hand side. I think that's someone that should be starting the game. Um but from my motherwell point of view, a few ex League of Ireland lads in the squad, isn't there? Getting some sort of a absolutely of a, of a homecoming. Ross Tierney, obviously everyone know Ross from his days playing at Bowers. Uh, Robbie Matten, another young uh, player, he's on nineteen. He was in the Bowers youth side. Uh, Jay Carroll played with with St. Pat's a good few years ago. Now he's made a really good career for himself over in England and Scotland. So I'm sure they get a nice little homecoming back to the old Emerald Oil for this big game. Just before we go on to Wexford, who have announced a new CEO and a, a different club structure altogether, I just want to talk about some of the players that went to Scotland, Nathan. Like, is is Scotland a good move? Because a lot of players, you look at Aaron McAniff, he's gone now to Australia. Yeah. There's a lot of players who go to Scotland and don't last a long time up there. Now, can you put your finger on why that would be? Do you think it's they feel that there's going to be a big step up but the step up isn't really there is there a different do you think there's a different style of football up there that maybe they're not grasping of course there is plenty that go up there and and do perform but I see a lot coming out of Scotland as quick as they go in I see a lot as well but I'm going to pick on one club in particular uh, Celtic it's the name anytime I see any young lad go to Celtic you instantly have that little bit of fear about you don't you I was like Johnny Kenny I've seen it with Luke Connell he he was at Celtic for years and never got got a look in even Liam Scales I was so excited to see Liam go over I thought he'd be the the difference I thought he'd be the one that actually get into the team but 
it just never happened at all. And why we do talk about that, it's the day in, day out that these lads, that's when you see the big difference, isn't it? You know, they have it's more of a professional setup in terms of the overall facilities itself. Like if the facilities are from a side, like even a high not even a Celtic or Rangers, but like a Hibernian, a Hearts, they're a training ground and I can see so that. Sorry, like Nathan. I can see that I can see that with the likes of I don't know Bray or someone like that but Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk and there's teams there that are full time now so they can't be that far off them I know you what you're saying then of course with Celtic and well no one really goes to Rangers but no. Celtic or, or maybe Hibs although from what I believe and what I've heard and what I've talked with coaches even that are in Hibs it's a shambles in the background and, and they never really seem to get anywhere anyhow because there always seems to be internal fighting so the, the, the grass isn't always greener over there and so I, I'm, I'm wondering is it just wages is it just contracts that's really the reason why the, the, the Irish lads are going over it, it can't be for anything else can it it seems easy as well Roy look again I've never been in that situation in my life where I have had to make a decision to, to I would have loved it if anybody wants to let me make that decision go ahead but I've never been in that situation but it, it's easy enough as well I would imagine Scotland you know it's not more from home where I'd say if you see a lot of the lads now we're like making the move to France and Italy and Holland and things like that I must see them a little bit further away but those are the moves now that I, I'm always optimistic about when I see the young lads going to, to these European countries, you know, yeah. just, it's, it's gonna, it's, seeing everything about is just head and shoulders better, they're, they're going into, even if they're going into youth academies, they're getting part of the Italian way of football or the, the Dutch way of how they do it and it's, they're sort of being moulded in, in, into what they want as a footballer where, Lads are sort of just going over to Scotland, especially to go, like I said, going into Celtic, or going into a massive uh, youth academy and just getting completely lost in the show for you. You'd want to have something special about you because I don't think it is style of play, Roy. I don't think there's a, there's a massive uh, golf and class between the style of play. Uh, obviously, again, going away from Celtic and Rangers. If, as an, on an average, I wouldn't think there's a massive golf and class from your average League of Ireland side to your mid table, lower table, even SPL team. I just think when they go away to Italy or they go away to Belgium or even to some of the, I suppose, the higher teams in England, you feel that they're going to get an education, as in a football education. I just don't see players going to Scotland and coming back better players. So there's something about that. I, I, I think people should really think about, players should really think about why they're going to Scotland. If it's money, you know, there's money in other places, but... I'm I'm not I'm not I just don't believe in it at the moment. I I don't see what they're getting out of it. Bar maybe a three or four year contract and they have the few quid and that's stability. So I mean you have to look after your family I suppose at the end of the day. So that's probably it. Okay, Wexford have announced a new CEO and Nathan, as I said, a new club structure. So what info have you got? Yeah, so this was announced by the club following uh, an emergency general meeting that uh, Tony Doyle has been appointed as the new CEO, Roy, as you said. Uh, anyone interested, Tony's a local businessman. He's also a managing director of an insurance firm. He received a unanimous backing by the Wexford Supporters Trust, so definitely trust from the, from people within the club themselves. So what his role mainly entail, or the key factors of his role would be working with stakeholders, uh, stabilising the club's finances and, very importantly, reaching an agreement with the FAI and the Wexford Leagues on the future of Ferry Carrick Park, which is going to be huge going forward. Uh, and like you touched on about the new structure, a little bit what we have here is that he plans to lead a shareholding offering. Now, this will be open to all clubs, not only in the League of Ireland, but around the country as a whole. Um, 
so yeah to in, so we'd be in, pretty much interacting with individuals and businesses on building it, like the ownership model something similar to what wexford have now at the moment like wexford set up uh, their supporters trust in 2017 so it's more of a um, it's, it's to build on this it's the following this and it's to give give fans give supporters more of a say of what goes on in in the club on a day-to-day basis and by looking at the fan reaction, that's the real caveat that Wexford fans are absolutely delighted about. That. Do you think it's they along the same... Sports trust and the building. Yeah, do you think it's along the same lines of what Bowes are doing there? I'd say it seems really similar, doesn't it, Roy? Just just mm. from what we've been given at the moment. And in fairness, I think it's absolutely brilliant news. It's it's probably some of the best news that's here coming out of Wexford in a long, long time. It's It's building on... We're going to talk about the on-field stuff, obviously, where Ian Ryan has done. They're, they're sitting in sixth place at the moment, uh, three points off fourth. They could really get themselves into a playoff push, but that's not really important for the long-term future of Wexford. We talked about it for a long time now. With clubs like Wexford and your core Ramblers, these are two in particular, that, that needed something like this, needed a bit of a, a rejig and needed a real identity. So to see them building up on the great work of the supporter trust, which they've done brilliant stuff. It's only been set up in sh- such a short amount of time. Um, yeah, it's great to see, and it's great to see that Tony Doyle is so open to, to giving the Wexford fans a real voice and a real say what goes on in their club and their community. Yeah, and um, we move on because there's another community that really need their stadium up and going, and that's Finn Harps and Donegal. We've been hearing about this stadium for an awful long time, but they've got well, they've had positive news earlier on in the year, and there's even more. There certainly is, Roy. Uh, so the Donegal Community Stadium project, like I said, has got a massive boost. Um, Donegal County Council have agreed to provide 500000 towards the facility. Brilliant news, it really, really is. It's going to be paid over three years. So this year in 2020, they're going to pay out uh, 250000 In 2023, they're going to pay out 150000 And in 2024, they're going to pay out 100000 Uh This has been added to the agreement made by the FAI to provide a four or 500000 um, and then it's a 3.991 million uh, provisional now allocation that's been uh, promised, or well, not promised, but it's, it's provisions in the works uh, by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Grail Talk, Sports and Media. That's going to come out of the large-scale sports infrastructure front. Yeah, it, it, it's it's something that we talked about for such a long time. But I think it's pretty much since we've been doing the show, there's been talk of a new stadium up in Bally Buffet. You've even acknowledged that this project here has been sitting for so long the, the, there's like, there's the bones of the new stadium is sitting up there it, it's really deteriorated so there's going to be it's got, the, the work going to have to start pretty soon I, no, you've seen a quote here actually that work will begin at the earliest opportunity so if you can nail down a date that'd be excellent um, but I'm sure that just everyone in the local community and Donegal County as a whole must be absolutely desperate to see this project just, just coming to a finish yeah, and it just feels with this one that this is going to get somewhere where other stadiums which are being promised yeah. to be built are not. A hundred percent. It's the work that's... There seems to be a good relationship there, doesn't there, with, with Finn Harps and with the uh, with Donegal County Council. They both seem to be happy to work together. Um, the development committee of Finn Harps as well, they've done absolutely brilliant work. We actually got a bit of an update on, on that as well. Um, so Finn Harps and the development committee in Finn Harps had uh, carried out a major review of the proposal because it's been so far in advance now. You know, they were looking at change, and uh, so they decided to exclude and reduce certain aspects. We don't know what the aspects are, but 
if you get any more information, we'll let us know. But yeah, they decided to change up aspects of the original plan uh, that they think is unnecessary. This is all just to refine the cost down and, and like you said, Roy, to make it actually realistic and to make sure that it does get done. So brilliant by them that, that they, they were able to look at it with a, a critical eye and, and take out things that they don't think is necessary because these things, these not only the Finn Harp Stadium, Roy, but we talked about so many grounds, uh, whether it be Bowers, Shelbourne, Pats, and they're not moving at all, but this one does seem to have legs behind there. So to, to get, if you can get a firm date down uh, on when it's going to start or going to uh, start again, more importantly, that would be excellent because it's definitely one of, one of the sides that needed the most Open Valley Buffet. And it's, you can see it. It's absolutely fantastic work being oh, done yeah. by the community around, by the board, by everyone around there. It's a real community feel about this. And it's a real community feel about the club, isn't there? Yeah, there really is. And that, that's what it's, it's going to be a, a community stadium. So it's not only going to benefit Finn Harps, it'll benefit the underage team. They're really trying to boost women's football and girls' football up in Donegal, which is excellent. We've been trying to champion that for a long time. Um, not just in Donegal, just all over the country, the, the, the improvements that we can see. So that would be brilliant to see, to see them have this fantastic facility available to them. Because if you look at any of the the, the early the paperwork or the early photographs of what it's going to be, it, it really looks like it's going to be top of the range and it's really something that's going to improve uh, football in a county that's just surrounded by GAA. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're going to get to Shells and their new partnership and, of course, the Women's FAI Cup quarterfinal games have been uh, released. But just before that, Daniel Lambert was back on again about agents in football and the amount that they're getting for the players only five figure sums and I think it's starting to annoy the whole lot of us really in all, in all fairness I think everyone's getting a little bit yeah. in all fairness we're getting pissed off with it because clubs are getting robbed left right and centre of their best talent and they're not getting at now now we had a go last week Nathan about the clubs and what role they need to be playing in it. But it is very true to say that agents are playing clubs against each other and they will not allow more than one year contracts. So there's cases where we talked about Ed McGinty last week. We don't know the ins and outs of what happened with Ed McGinty at any stage, but they might be saying, listen, we, we're only wanting a one year contract and Bohemians will take him for one year. If you want Ed to stay here, I'm only doing a one year contract and there's a release clause halfway through the year of 50,000. Sligo are under pressure to keep him, aren't they? That's the kind of thing that yeah. the agents are doing around. So Daniel has been looking for the league clubs to work together to make sure that there's something aligned, that they all work together and they, they don't sort of do one over on each other. Uh, can you see something like that working with the league? Can you see the clubs? Are they, are they that good? Are they that gelled that something like that could work together to benefit each other? No, I don't think so. Really. I really don't. I think the agents have such a strong hole in the game, in, in the modern game, not only at, at the top level, but like even at League of Ireland level. I, I really, I, I, don't, I can't understand how they're going to come together and, and do this. I think the only, the only benefit we can see of any anything coming out of this is, it, we talked about it loads of times, but clubs making sure that they're, they're trying to get the best deal possible in terms of 
add-ons and sell-on clauses because the fees that we're seeing some players going for it, it, it's shocking, isn't it? Like we've gone to go back to the Dan, Danny Mandreya one, but thirty thousand for, for for a player that's been successfully in the league is it, it just it cannot be be done. It's such a low ball offer, and you can see why the league is getting cherry picked so much. Yeah, we're not doing ourselves any favors. I I think yeah, Daniel. I, I actually missed that completely, um, but. I, Daniel Lambert is someone that usually has his uh, finger on the pulse of a lot of these modern issues within the league itself. But I can't see it right. I I, I can't see the the clubs coming together in, in such cohesion, um, especially when it comes to things like finances and fees and and trying to coordinate with each other with outside agents and things like that. I, I don't think so. What about you? Yeah, it's a, I find it hard because it's a it's a business like thing. So. Yeah. If do you think the Bows would turn down getting Ned McGinty if they t- if they had the chance? They're taking him, aren't they? And they're giving yeah, him a one year contract. So, yeah, listen, you'd like to think that that's the case because really, what's happening now is is agents are stealing our talent away for little or nothing and reaping the rewards maybe in the contract because they get a low fee but they might get a, a good signing on fee for their player and whatever. And that's their job. I understand that. The league does have to do something. Like the the clubs do have to do something, or they're going to be stuck in this constantly for years and years to come. And you can't have full time professional football unless you are selling your assets for a good price, and that backs up what you're going to do in the future. So we will be stuck where we are forever more unless this is resolved. Daniel might have a case here. Maybe you know. Maybe we have to work hard somehow. As you said, it's very hard to see that. I, I, I really hope we do. As we said, look, there's, we have promised there in the background, if you're watching on YouTube, again, another another player who I was really excited to see more of this year. Yeah. Uh, gone for pittance, absolute pittance. And the club don't benefit in any way. In, that, in actual effect, they get a couple of grand and they lose a top quality player and it does them no good whatsoever. They might miss out on European football just off the back of that move alone. So... Yeah, I, I don't know, Nathan. Is there is there anything possible that they could do? Yeah, it's, I I really I, I don't think so at, at the moment, Roy. Um, we talked about it last week as well, didn't we? It, it's what do you want out of Lee? Like we're talking about, we want consistency in Europe, and I always talk about I want to see it become professional, not only full time in the football, but you know to get these people in, the, the psychiatrists and nutritionists, full time people into these clubs. Um mental health staff too into these clubs we're not going to do that mm. if we want to continue to be a feeder system for fucking league one like uh, by getting these low ball offers like I was talking to someone today uh, about yeah McGinty moved to Oxford United and the, 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 there was excitement in this person's voice talking about oh we're looking to get about 100,000 for, for McGinty 100,000 for one of the best for, well, for me the best goalkeeper in yeah. the league again it, it's it pittance if a, if a league one team were selling if a league one team were selling Ed McGinty they'd be getting five times that yeah 100% yeah, I thought about the James Brown move I thought it was a slap in the face to the league I thought it was a slap in the face to Drotter I thought it was a slap in the face to James himself that he was offered a trial to go yeah. with the Blackburn Rovers if there's genuine interest show that interest with a significant fee for the player and make sure that the club get rewarded because I know we're, we're, we're praising clubs for being a bit more savvy in the market in terms of what they put into the contracts, but we really shouldn't be patting clubs in the back for, for being savvy in transfer market in 2022. It's something that should have been done from the word go once we really got an understanding of how transfer works and how contracts work. So 
I think we will be stuck in this limbo for a long time to come unless yeah. we get a, a real cohesion with the clubs together. Because like you said, Bowers, like Bowers hadn't gone to get offered. Like we've seen it last year, didn't we? With Andy Lyons when he left Bowers, it was all that he was going to go to England. That deal fell through. He was offered up to Shamrock Rovers. Shamrock Rovers hadn't gone to say no to one of the best fullbacks in the league and you can't blame them. No, no. And now he might be going, they're talking about they were hoping for two hundred or two hundred thousand. They got offered a hundred thousand. In all fairness, but he could be going for two hundred thousand, and Shamrock Rovers might be happy with that. But again, the the, the money's still pittance for the quality of player that they're getting. They're getting yeah. good quality player. There's better quality of player coming out of Ireland on a more frequent basis than there has been in the last probably. 20 years maybe you know and you're just seeing so much more coming out of the country and, and it's great to see but yeah I mean if if they have an agreement again are you just not handing out one year contracts then you know you have to hand out two year contracts I just don't know how it's going to work so it's going to be very very complicated but they do need to do something so they need to have little talks together with all the managers and all the clubs and the, the, the CEOs or whoever it is that's that's looking after that side of thing. They all need to get in a room and they all need to start discussing something because otherwise they're stuck in this cycle of, uh, for a long, long time. Okay, we'll go to Shells. Shells announced a new partnership with Drumcondra. They did. Uh, the, the next door neighbours, uh, they announced a new player continuation pathway with the Lens of Senior Sword. So it's a little bit different. We talked about a lot of these partnerships, Roy, over the past couple of weeks, of course, couple of months even, and how we feel it's only going to benefit the League of Ireland team. But this seems to be sort of a twisting that on its head. So this uh, player continuation pathway will help players leaving the Shelbourne Academy to transition into added football and to give them a natural gateway into the Juncondra FC uh, lens of senior teams. So when a player does go, Shells will monitor the player, see how the progression is working. You know yourself, Roy, by, by coaching young players. Some lads, they progress at a different age, uh, different ages. Some lads are superstars by the age of eight. Some people are late developers. So Shellbone will keep an eye on the player, see how the progression is going. And if they feel they're ready, the option could be there to bring them back into the Shellbone setup. Yeah, and when you look at the players that they have, they're coming up through 14s, 15s, 17s, 19s. When they hit 19s, there's nowhere to go. And all these players are dropped off. So this yeah. is something important. You've seen Shamrock Rovers wanted to have that B team again. They know the importance of trying to keep them within the club and, and, and bringing them on. And the only way they come on is playing football games. You know, they need to play matches. So yeah. I'm going to assume, I don't know, but I'm going to assume here that they, they will have not only just a, a watching these teams but they may very well have times when they bring these players back down to train with the club even though they're playing with Drumcondra they may do extra nights training and stuff like that that would make sense to me to keep them up at a high at the highest level possible because they drift into two nights a week they can't really go back into full-time football and expect yeah. to be as good as the rest so it'll be interesting to see how that one goes but good positive we like to see all these partnerships uh coming to fruition the women's FAI quarterfinal before you move on Roy uh, see we're only talking about Dan Lambert just a quick little caveat on, on Bowles as well see they had a bit of a change up with their partnerships did you see this one did I see no uh, so they're, they're, it's more of a restructure they've ended their official uh, exclusive partnership with St Kevin's which is very strange it seemed to be one of the the more the, the better partnerships oh I didn't uh, hear this now when did this happen League of Ireland. Uh, today, only on today, oh. right? Yeah, so they ended their exclusive partnership, like I said, with St. Kevin's Boys. They gave them a, a 12 month notice and they're going to restructure and try to go into the affiliation model. 
with other Dublin clubs. Um, we've seen that. We've shown up always have them with yourselves, Roy Luke United, St. Pat's have them. Every every league of order. Well, Sh- Shamrock Rovers have partner clubs and they have affiliation clubs and they have I think it's four partner clubs. I might be wrong. Might be five now because Crumlin are, are now a partner club as well with them. And then they have affiliates. Then so spread out around like the likes of Baldoyle yep. and stuff like that. You know, so we're the same ourselves. So we, 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 perhaps we have an official partnership with Cherry Orchards we talked about. But then you have the likes of Belvedere, where it's more of an affiliation. So that's the route that bows are going to go down, which I think is pretty strange. I thought the St Kevin's Boys uh, partnership seemed to be working out well. What a major like most major clubs in Dublin they're like already affiliated or officially partnerships with I think with St. Kevin's though their nose is out of joint a little bit because they wanted to go League of Ireland and they went and let go League of Ireland they wanted to go League of Ireland underage and they went and let go League of Ireland I think they wanted to go uh, they can correct me if I'm wrong but I'm fairly sure they they were looking and eyeing up League of Ireland because they have it all structured that way as you know, elite football, as they call it, you know, top level players all playing there and probably, you know, selling them off and, and getting a few quid. So they couldn't do it themselves. They had to link up with Bowes. I'm just wondering, will this push St. Kevin's now? See, they don't, there's this thing of they don't want too many Dublin sides. Mm. But if, if they're big enough and good enough, I'm not seeing the problem. If there's going to be a third tier, I'm not seeing the problem. If the majority of the population is in Dublin and surrounding areas, I don't see the problem. There's there's two teams in, in Cork. You do the ratios. I don't know. You know, I could see Kevin's doing a really, really good job. The only problem is, is that, you know, you have to have a stadium, you have to have all that sort of stuff. So you'll have to, you'd yeah. have to work, you'd have to work that out somehow. Um, but yeah, I could see that sort of being pushed anyhow. Not, not necessarily saying it's going to happen, but I could see that being pushed. Is there anything to say who they're looking to, to team up with now then? No, there's been nobody officially announced, nobody that they're eyeing up. They just did say that they're going to extend this to St. Kevin's as well if they want to partner up with an affiliation but if they're being dropped from an exclusive partnership uh, you, you don't know I think you struggle to see them except in just an, an affiliation gig yeah so do I absolutely okay Nathan uh, we've got European ties to look forward to we've got course league games to look forward to this weekend and and we're only halfway through the season, so there's still so much to play for. And, and the first division, we're going to have a look at next week because things are hotting up in the first division. We ha- we haven't gone into depths in the first division for a, a couple of weeks, so we're, we're definitely going to be looking into that um, uh, big time. Nathan, thanks very much for your time. Uh, thanks to everyone out there who is listening and contribute. Uh, of course, the fans question hasn't been here the last couple of weeks. I don't know what Nathan's no. playing at, but it will make yeah, a return. <laughs> it will make a return. And if you want to send in a fans question, uh, the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. Throw one up on any of the, the, the social media sites, Messenger, Twitter, whatever. Uh, or if you can find myself or Nathan anywhere, throw them up as well. We're looking forward to seeing you next week.